We've been talking on the theme of being anointed, and this month is anointed with power. And uh, God's going to touch you in a profound way today, if you want it. Did you hear that? If you want it. You can sit there, not that anyone is, but you can sit there with your spiritual hearts folded, your hands folded inside, or you can come with a posture of hunger and desperation. And my theory is that God always is looking for a hungry heart. The eyes of the Lord, they roam throughout the world looking for somebody. Old, young, doesn't matter. Rich, poor, doesn't matter. Male, female, whatever ethnic background you It doesn't matter. He's looking for a heart that's hungry. So I'm wondering today, is there at least one person that's hungry? Yeah. 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 That's good. Because you don't want to be like that boy that was sitting on the edge of the, of the, uh, the building as the Apostle Paul was preaching. What was his name? Eutychus or some strange name like that. And he fell asleep while the Apostle Paul preached. That takes some doing, doesn't it? He fell from the third floor. He's a picture of the third day church. That when the power of the Holy Ghost comes, that some will be sleeping and others will be postured right into the very heart of God. And I don't want to be sleeping. I want to be fully awake, don't you? Yeah. Amen. And so I want you to turn with me to Luke four seventeen. I'm going to read from the King James Version. And I've dissected and cut out the these and the thous just to make it palatable. But we're going to go that just because I like the version for this passage. But before I do that, I want to just remind you that it's the, the heart of the Father to cause every believer to understand that Christ in you the hope of glory. That when the anointing of the Spirit of God comes inside a person, it's because God wants to restore us back to the original mandate, the hope of glory. He wants us whole. He wants us restored. He wants us filled with his love and his joy. He wants us delivered from all the hang-ups that we all have, that we bring into the kingdom when we get born again. He wants us free. He wants us fully alive. Amen? He wants every man to be presented complete in Christ, in the anointed one. He wants us to understand that when the anointing comes in, it's to make us whole, spirit, soul, and body. Free from fear, free from addiction, free from all the stuff the enemy places upon us. And when the anointing of the Spirit of God comes inside a person, he is on a mission from God to get you whole to get you free, to empower you. So it says in Luke four seventeen, I'm speaking today on the anointing to deliver. Amen? Amen. And God's going to deliver you today from every area that you're bound and oppressed. Amen? Amen. So there was delivered unto him, Jesus, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when Jesus opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And he declared, the spirit of of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. What sort of gospel would you preach to the poor? Well, you don't need to be poor anymore. 
He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, and here we go, and to preach deliverance to the captives, to the prisoners of war. He's come to declare that everyone that is captive, your deliverance is here today. You don't have to be captive anymore. Any area where you find that there's bondage and that you're a prisoner, or there's restriction in your life, you feel like a prisoner of war, Jesus says, I have come to deliver you. Someone should be excited about that. To set at liberty those that are bruised, those who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, broken down by calamity. Any area where the enemy has had like a, a foothold, a, a road into your life through trauma, through pain, through current situations, Jesus, his anointing today is to deliver you from everything that would hold you captive. Amen? Amen. Say with me, Jesus, Jesus wants me free. Wants me free. Yeah. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? That's the power of the anointing. Our God has always been a delivering God. And I'm going to share with you a few scriptures and then I'm going to get into two things, particularly about the anointing. But I want to set the scene to, de to de describe to you the very nature and the passion of our Father God. He is a delivering God. He is a fiercely protective Father. I don't know about you, but there's only a, a few things that really flick my switch, but touch my children, and Gigantor comes out from inside me. There's this fiercely protective thing inside me that always will want to deliver and to protect my children. And that is just a small fraction of the passion of God towards us, his children. God is a delivering God. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures, then we're going to go unpack this today. But I want you to write this down and meditate on what I am declaring, because this is God's heart for you today. Wherever you see uh, Israel in this story, put your name in this story, because Israel is a picture of the church, the people of God, you today. Genesis 14, 19, Melchizedek blessed Abraham and he said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And everyone can say amen. God has delivered your enemies into your hand. This is the nature of God. He is a delivering God. And when he comes on the scene, when the anointing of God is believed in and released in your life, he says, I'm going to deliver all your enemies into your hand. Maybe fear is an enemy today. Maybe lacks an enemy today. God says, I'm going to deliver all those critters into your hands today. Hear the word of the Lord today. You may have come oppressed. You may have come with challenges today. God says, I, the Lord God, the mighty God, the God who is the captain of the host of heaven, I will deliver your enemies into your hands. He is a delivering God. Genesis 45, 7. Get excited today. It doesn't say that, but you can do that. This is Joseph. He says, God sent me before you to preserve you. 
as a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. God protected all of Israel in the midst of famine. He kept them alive as a remnant. He says, I've kept you alive by a great deliverance. God went before them and delivered them. He went before and he worked out a way so they could come into their inheritance. You need to know today, God is at work in your tomorrow. He's ordering things so you can be delivered. You may not know how tomorrow is going to work out. You may be inundated with problems today, but you need to know God is in tomorrow today and he's working all things together so you will be delivered by his mighty hand. The world doesn't know that. They're afraid about tomorrow. They don't know what holds for their tomorrow. But we know our delivering God is in our tomorrow, making ways where there seems to be no way. You don't need to worry about your children and their future, about your future, whether they're going to have enough money to retire. Our God is in tomorrow delivering us. Amen. That was worth a price just to come for that. Exodus 18.8, Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh, to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had befallen them on their journey and how the Lord had delivered them. Jethro rejoiced over all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel in delivering them from the hand of the Egyptians. The Egyptians and Pharaoh are a picture of the devil and his works. So Jethro is rejoicing that God has delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of Pharaoh and who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. God will deliver you from the work of the enemy, from Satan himself and every demonic host, and all the activities around your life. Jethro declared that. Our God is greater than all the other gods. And both Satan and all his hosts and all the effects that come from that sickness, disease, lack, tribulation. Jethro says, our God in heaven delivers us from Pharaoh and all the Egyptians. So you can look the devil in the eye and say, my father is a deliverer. You have no right to touch me. Amen? Amen. Mm. And there's many more. I have to skip some for time's sake. Psalm 18.1, David says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. You are my rock and my fortress, and you are my deliverer, my God in whom I take refuge. David knew God as the delivering God. Verse 17 of Psalm 18, he has delivered me from my strong enemy. Some of you, you've got more consciousness of the enemy than of the deliverer. And David said, I face some strong enemies and my God delivered me from them all. They were, he says in verse 17, he delivered, them for, delivered me from all those who hated me for they were too mighty for me. Did you get that? Your problems are too big for you. Psalm 18, verse 17, David said, my enemy was too strong. And we all say, he is. We agree with that. But we have a delivering God. And he said, he, God delivered me from my strong enemy. 
And we know the history of David. He was hunted by the king and all the king's army. And in the natural, there was no way that he could escape. But God, over and over and over and over again, proved himself as the delivering God. Verse 43 of the same psalm. You have delivered me from the contentions of the people. You've placed me now as the head of the nations. <laughs> See, he doesn't just deliver, he exalts. The enemy comes after us, but God is not only able to deliver us, but to lift us up. He brought me out of the miry clay and set my feet upon the rock. Not just out of the miry clay, there you go, all the best. But he brings us out and then he exalts us. That's the nature of the delivering God. Psalm 22.4, David says, In you our fathers trusted. They trusted you and you delivered them. They cried out and they were delivered. In you they trusted and they were not disappointed. So don't say to me today, Oh, Andrew, I don't want to get my hopes up. Maybe I'll cry out to God. Maybe I'll believe in him and I won't be delivered. I'll say it again. Let God be true and every man a liar. For every word is settled in heaven. Amen? Psalm 22, 4. I'll say it again. In you, our fathers trusted. In who? You. Who's you? All right. God. In God, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried out to you and they were delivered. In you, they trusted and they were not disappointed. Psalm 33, 16. The king is not saved by his mighty army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory. So put aside your silly magazines that try to instruct you how to live. Turn off the stupid TV that's trying to give you some hope for the future. For the king is not saved by a horse, natural strength. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord, verse 18 of Psalm 33, is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness, to deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul, therefore, waits for you, Lord. You are our help and you are our shield. Do you know the word shield literally means that as we cry out for God, he pulls us into himself and becomes our shield. Your deliverance is from no other source but God himself. He is the delivering God. How amazing, hey? Deliverance comes to you and I two ways. Are you ready? Very simple, not complex, but two ways. It comes through a power encounter and a truth encounter. Write that down. A power encounter... And a truth encounter. This is how God sets his people free. We're going to largely deal with the truth encounter because that's where most believers get their deliverance. There are times where we have no control over our life and you need a power encounter. But most Believers are dealing with issues of the flesh and their deliverance will come once the truth comes alive with inside them. All right, so let's get straight into it. This is going to be some good teaching. You ready? 
All right. The moment you get born again, Holy Spirit lives deep within you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says we are joined to the Lord and we're one spirit with him. His spirit lives deep within us. We have an anointing, 1 John tells us, within. 1 John 2.20 and also verse 26. It says we have an anointing of the Holy Ghost that is deep within us. The moment we get born again, Holy Spirit quickens us and he comes to make his home in our life. Amen? Amen. How amazing is that? Here's the key. The words that we now declare for our deliverance. See, this is a truth encounter. As we begin to declare words of truth over our life to deliver us, this is what you need to understand. The word of truth that we speak must be quickened by the Holy Ghost that lives within us. Ready for a shock? See that? What is it? It's not a trick question. It's the Bible. This is powerless, useless. has no power until the Spirit of God quickens it. He says his word is spirit and life. The flesh profits nothing. The Bible without the Spirit of God... Words in our mouth without the Spirit of God are powerless. 2 Corinthians 10. So this is the key to your deliverance. This is what I'm going to unpack as we go. 2 Corinthians 10 says, Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are mighty in God to pull down strongholds. He's talking about deliverance. We destroy speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Every oppressive work of the enemy that's coming against the knowledge of who we are in God, we we are able to destroy. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Paul is saying, for you and I to walk in freedom and deliverance, it's not the work of the flesh, it is the work of the Holy Ghost inside us. This is the key to your deliverance. Many Christians quote scripture, confess from time to time that they're free and they wonder why they are still bound. There is no power in the promises of God at all until they are quickened by the Holy Spirit. That's why you can lead someone to salvation to pray what we call the sinner's prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. And they can walk away and be as big a sinner as they were beforehand, as after. Makes no change. Because the Holy Spirit has to quicken for the kingdom of God to be activated. Your deliverance is not about what you say, but who's saying it through you. Holy Spirit is the limitless source of power and without him in our life, there will be no healing, no deliverance, no breakthrough. And this is where the church is needed to be just slightly realigned because we understand the power of the word. And this is not to undermine the power of the promises or the word in any shape or form. His word is highly exalted, but it's breathed by the Spirit. Or else it is nothing. And the key to your deliverance with a truth encounter is not to read the Bible and memorize it and read it like a parrot, 
but to allow the Holy Ghost to come and quicken that word to you. So when you speak, it is the breath of God that's coming out your mouth. His spirit activates the word in your life. That's when demons tremble. That's why um, the, uh, the seven sons, they wanted to cast out demons and they used the same language as Paul but got a whole different result. In fact, they got beaten up and they fled naked. The demon said, I know Paul and obviously I know Jesus, but who the hell are you? Nobody knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Your connection to the God and his kingdom and his delivering power is only through the Holy Spirit. No man knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man that's in him. Likewise, nobody knows the things of God except the spirit of God. But we've been given the spirit of God so we would know the things freely given to us. Everything in the kingdom comes via the Holy Spirit. Every word that has power is because it is breathed on by the Spirit of God. Your key to a truth encounter is to encounter the spirit of truth that breathes on the word and brings deliverance. If God doesn't move on it, there is no power. If the Holy Spirit doesn't move on it, there is no results. Think about Genesis 1.1. Think carefully. It says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void, and darkness moved over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving on the surface of the waters. So before God creates anything, Holy Spirit has to be active. I'll read that again. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. See, often the body of Christ is speaking before the Holy Spirit is moving. And in the way the kingdom operates, the Spirit of God moves and then God speaks. If we would wait for the Spirit of God to flow in our lives, take time to wait on Him, talk to Him, love Him, worship Him, allow His presence to come, then when we speak, creation would come. We're wondering why creation's not coming, because the Spirit of God's not moving. And we're trying to activate where there is no Spirit. We're preaching the word. We're speaking promises. We're declaring them over a life and nothing is happening because the order is reversed. We think when we speak, the spirit of God moves. Now the spirit of God moves and then we speak. Hmm. We confess what is breathed on. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath, ruah, spirit of his mouth, all their host. Holy Spirit moves and then we speak. The kingdom of God does not consist in words but in power. And there's probably too many words that come out of our mouth and not enough power. Not enough time waiting on the Lord so when we speak, none of the words that we speak fall to the ground. I want you to turn with me as an example in Luke chapter 5. You're okay? You're not shocked? You're still alive? Not ready to throw a stone? Luke chapter 5. This is a, an example. 
This is a story that many of you may know. It's the story of Peter fishing all night and catching nothing. It's a picture of the church working real hard and not making much ground. It's a picture of the individual praying, quoting scripture, but not seeing a whole lot of progress. Can anyone relate to that? I'll close my eyes. I can relate to that. A whole lot of activity, but not much to show for it. You get to the end of the year and you think, Lord, what's the deal? I haven't grown much. Things haven't changed. Same hang-ups, same problems. This is a story for every believer that's got stuck, that can't break through, that's worked really hard, but nothing's changing. It says the crowd pressed around Jesus listening to the word. See, that's the problem when you hear the words of Jesus without the Spirit of God quickening them to you. You're just like one of the crowd. The crowd were never changed by Jesus. Come to church, go home. Next week, come to church, go home. Pick up my Bible occasionally, read it. Do my duties because I was feeling bad having read the Bible for a few weeks. Better, I guess, read the chapter. Make sure I'm still going to heaven. Use a couple of scriptures when things get a little bit chaotic. But that's not the way God intended it to be. Because you know what? They were, they, were, they were positioned around a lake, Gesenaret, which literally means harp. That's interesting. They're standing by the shore listening to Jesus, but nothing's changing. Do you know the word harp in Revelation is the picture of the overcoming church? Revelation 15, I believe, when you read about the harp, they played the harp for those that overcome. The invitation is for us to encounter the Spirit of God and to come into a place of overcoming and deliverance. Are you hearing this? But they're sitting on the edge and they're not getting their breakthrough. Peter is on the edge. He's pulled his boat up and he's, he's washing his nets because he's worked so hard and he hasn't found his deliverance. But the, the invitation in this story is that God wants you to be an overcomer, to break through, to be delivered, to be fruitful. Jesus saw two ships at the edge of the lake and the fishermen had left them to wash their nets. And so he asked if he could step into the boats, into the ships. I believe he stepped into fellowship and sonship that day. See, the boat's a picture of the heart. It's a heart shape. He says, Peter, I don't want you to stand on the shore and just listen to, you know, preach a, a nice little sermon that never touched your heart, never encountered the spirit of the living God. I want this to be a true heart connection where the spirit of God comes alive within you. Let me step into your world. Peter invites him into the boat, listens to Jesus preach, and then Jesus invites him to launch out into the deep, into a place of Revelation, that word deep is bathos, which is revelation and mystery. Peter says, Lord, we've worked so hard. We've caught nothing. We've been to this spot before. We've worked hard and nothing's happened. But Jesus said, you know, it's going to be different now. This is what happens when the Spirit of God comes into your world. When you wait upon the Lord, he can take you back to the same circumstance with a whole different result. It is critically important when we are going in our journey and wanting breakthrough and deliverance, when we're believing for the truth to come alive as God is our deliverer, 
that we encounter first the spirit of the living God and allow him to breathe on us and breathe on the words of deliverance. Joshua went around the walls of Jericho and what did God say to him? Be quiet. Do not speak. Still your soul. Wait upon the Lord. Engage the Spirit of God. Really? Yes, they, they were to take the Ark of the Covenant around. What was he saying? Quieten your soul and focus on the Ark. Listen. And so when you shout and have the promise of deliverance, it will come with the full backing of the Ark of the Covenant. But the church today, we walk around the walls of Jericho and begin to shout from day one and leave the ark behind. The key to your deliverance is to still your soul and to wait upon the Lord and listen to him quicken the word of God to our life. I heard this statement and it shocked me when I first heard it, but the more I think about it, the more I feel like there's truth in this. This great preacher said, that all the promises of God in the Bible are not yours. None of them are yours. I thought, yes, they are. I can sing songs about the promises of God being mine. But he said they're not yours until the Spirit of God breathes upon them and makes them alive. And so we wait upon the Lord like Joshua did. They walked around the walls of Jericho. And as they began to wait on the Lord, he began to quicken the word of the Lord to them with instruction, what to speak, what to say. It's not what you say, it's who says it through you that counts. We get hung up in formulas, you know, if you pray for the sick, pray for the demonized, you know, you should pray this one, use the name of Jesus, use the Father, use the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, say that, say that. It, it's not what you say, it's who says it through you. Deliverance comes because you've been in the presence of God and he's quickened the word of the Lord to you and you've got something to say. John 16, 13 says, When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he, not, he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Jesus modeled this. You might think this is a bit, bit odd what you're saying, Andrew. No, this is what Jesus did. He says, I only, I only say what I hear the Father saying. Only do what he does. He initiates. He was modeling for us how to live in the Spirit. And here he's saying about the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will show you what to say. He will empower you. Jesus said in John 6, 63, it's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Would you like me to say that another way? It's the Spirit of God that gives life. You can quote Scripture. You can be religious. But the flesh is useless. Romans teaches. Galatians teaches. The flesh and the Spirit are opposed to each other. Did you hear that? You want to know how strong your flesh is? Stay silent for half an hour. Try Fast. Do things that your flesh doesn't like. You see how strong it is. And they are opposed to each other. The flesh will take control. This is what religion is. The flesh using the word of God 
to try and convince you that you are doing the things of the kingdom. But it profits nothing. We can't put some nice ribbon on the word of God that promises and say, therefore it must work. It's the spirit that gives the word power to deliver you. You want your breakthrough, you want your deliverance, you wait upon the Holy Spirit until He quickens something and then it comes alive. Hagar, one of my favorite stories with the boy. Remember that I've told you this story? The boy's under the bush, he's crying, she's crying, everyone's crying. Would have been a great place to sell tissues. And, and, and the angel comes because it hears the voice of the boy, not the voice of pain. And the angel says to Hagar, go back to the boy and lift him up. And then you'll see your provision. You see, often we go back to the boy and we're looking for provision. Provision comes as, it's, as the promise is embraced into our heart. So it's a picture of the promise coming alive within us. We embrace it. Jesus got into the boat and all of a sudden the word of God came alive. It's waiting upon the Lord, embracing the spirit of the word inside us, taking time until what God says through his word is so real and alive. That's why some people are broke and yet they quote scripture on prosperity. And they go, it doesn't work. Well, of course it doesn't work. It's called the flesh. You... You, you quote scripture, but it's like a clanging symbol. Without love, you turn scripture into a clanging symbol. Without a relationship with the Holy Spirit where he breathes on the word. So it's not here, but it's here. Yeah. So you meet people who've had a revelation with the Holy Ghost on an area of, of the kingdom, and it's life. It's alive. Do you know what I mean? And other people, it's just like a parrot. Probably more like that. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want to hear it. Yes, I know you know scriptures on prosperity, but everything about you is poor because there's nothing quickened in your life because you've not taken the time to wait upon the Lord, to love Him, to allow Holy Spirit to minister to your heart about scripture and about His heart for you until what He says to you comes alive. It's breathed by God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Psalm 32, 7 says, You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye. You see, this is... This is what deliverance is about. We come into him. We hide in him. He begins to surround us with songs of deliverance. What's that mean? He begins to talk to us about the scripture and how it will bring deliverance to our life. He tells us about his nature. It says here, he will instruct us and teach us in the way we should go. Rather than us going without being instructed, without hearing his heart, without being empowered, then the word of God comes alive. We are delivered by a truth encounter and it's a spirit of truth that comes upon us that begins to sing songs of deliverance over us so when we go out, the walls will come down. Amen. Got some walls in your life? 
Anybody? Some walls? Well, the key is that you begin to wait on the Lord. You surround yourself in his presence. You soak your situation in your heart with the presence of God. Holy Spirit, and I have to pray this prayer. You know what? I have done things in my own strength with good intentions and I've left you out of the equation and I'm sorry for that. I come back and he's so kind. He's just waiting for us to say, help, I got it wrong. I've been in the flesh and not the spirit. And when I'm in the flesh, I'm ugly. And when I'm in the flesh, it doesn't work. And I'm cleaning nets when I should be cleaning fish. Both activities associated with fishermen, one pays the bills, one doesn't. And so I come back to you, Lord, and I say, Lord, I need you in my boat. I need to wait on you and hear your voice. Because one word from God, here's the thing. Just one word from God changes everything. There was a lot of words from Jesus on the shore, but no fish. Jesus is speaking on the shore and Peter is cleaning his nets and there's no fish. Lots of words, no fish. One short phrase, launch out into the deep for a catch. And there's so much fish they couldn't contain it. It's not the quantity of words. It's whether the Spirit of God has breathed on what you say. Everything changes. So we pray today, Lord, let there be truth encounters with the Spirit of truth that brings deliverance to our world. So there's anointing in us to be delivered. That's, he's called the Spirit of God. He's our deliverer. And I want you to think about it this week, to wait on the Lord in silence and in worship until he quickens the word. Amen? Amen. And secondly, there's an anointing on us to be deliverers. Christ's anointing is released through his anointed ones to set the bound free. There are some people that are incapable of being set free. So the, the first group I've spoken to are believers that your breakthrough is associated with your relationship with the Holy Spirit, waiting on Him to speak the Word. There are others in, in the world that are so bound by the enemy, demonized, that they can't set themselves free and they need someone from outside to bring the Word of the Lord that sets them free. People today are still demonized. The demons didn't go into hibernation after the cross. They just stay under the radar. Demons came to church when Jesus preached. People stayed bound and oppressed for 18 years like the woman. Unclean spirits came in, listened to the word of the Lord. But when one man came with the anointing of the Holy Ghost on his life, everything changed. Behold, what is this new doctrine, this new authority that with words, one word, he casts out demons because the spirit of the Lord is upon him. And here's the second place, is that not only you're anointed to be delivered, but you are anointed today to be a deliverer. Yes. God has anointed you with the Holy Ghost and power that as you wait upon the Holy Spirit, He will give you words that set people free that cannot get free on their own. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus came 
out of that sea experience. So here's the thing. People that don't walk in the Spirit, they fight the wrong battles. The disciples are fighting the wind and the wave when Jesus is asleep because Jesus knows the true battle is on the other side. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So he saved himself for the true battle. Don't fight the wrong battle. So he comes to the other side and he gets out of the boat and there's a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit. And he had his dwelling amongst the tombs and as soon as he saw Jesus, things began to happen. The anointing within you will make a lot of people very uncomfortable. And I'm not excusing bad behaviour, but there is an anointing on your life that will agitate those around you because there are demons inside them and they need to be delivered. Not every conflict that you go through in life is because you're ugly. Some things happen because you carry the Spirit of God on you and people that are bound by the enemy cannot stand to have you in their presence and they need to be set free. And he lived amongst the tombs. And this is a picture of many people. The tomb is a, is a monument to events of the past. It's a recalling of the memory of a person or a thing. So every time you look at the tomb, it reminds you of a person. Here lies Joe Blow, died, you know, is a date. But it's recalling events of the past. And many people today are bound by trauma and events of the past. They're captured by pain and they can't get free. And when you're captured by pain, you can't love. And you need to be set free. So Jesus comes to a man that's surrounded by tombs and spiritually dead people. And he can't get free. And they try to contain this man with shackles and all sorts of things. But every time they shackle him up, he breaks free. Because you can't medicate people that are demonized. They can't go to therapy. They can't, you can't give them common sense approach to life. They need to be set free because they're troubled by an evil spirit. And as we follow the voice of the Spirit of God, we are, I believe, coming, and I've felt this in my spirit for a long time, into seasons where multitudes of people will be delivered from evil spirits. And many of them are sitting in church week after week, but as God's people begin to embrace a relationship with Holy Spirit and live in His anointing, he will direct them to set the prisoners free. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord upon is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives. Those that are held bound in prison doors, I've come to set them free. And there is a place where you, by your relationship with the Holy Ghost, deal with areas of the flesh and walk in deliverance. But there are other areas where the enemy's got in and established a stronghold where you need to be delivered. God's people will know the difference. For the anointing of God is upon us to set the prisoners free. So I'm going to finish this story because there's a lot more to go, but you, many of you know that Jesus came to this man bound and oppressed by so many demons, and with a word, he set him free. And he was left in his right mind, dressed, a transformer, 
And my prayer today is that many, many people that are afflicted by the enemy, uncontrollable addictions, mental health issues. There are many, many people. If you just go to a psych ward, I've been there to visit. (laughs) There are many, many people in there that are tormented by demons. They're medicated so they keep quiet, but but they're demonised. And the minute you walk in there, they begin to manifest, begin to talk about Jesus. And they need to be set free. And we are in a day where God wants to use his people to set people free, to be a deliverer. And so as we walk in our truth encounter and we walk whole and free, we gain authority to be deliverers to to people, to this city, to this nation. So I want to pray over you today and release the anointing both to be delivered and to be a deliverer. Amen? Amen. Wherever the enemy's running amok in your house, God wants to bring deliverance. He loves you and he wants you free. And even now I sense maybe in some hearts that it's like, I don't know. I don't know if God could change our family, our life. And God would say to you, I'm the God of all flesh. And there's nothing too hard for me. I'm the delivering God. I'm the healing God. I'm the mighty God. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. You are the spirit of truth. You are the mighty deliverer. And it's your presence that sets the captives free. For it's not by might nor by power, but it's by you, Holy Spirit. So we welcome you to come as the delivering God and set your people free today in Jesus' name.